Well, back in December, the rescue of a 21-year-old college student went viral on the internet when an office worker captured a dramatic sequence of events on video. College student Brandon Wright, one morning in December, had gotten on his motorcycle without his helmet, and he wanted to make a quick trip to the Utah State Computer Labs where he would work on a design project. As he was riding, uh, a BMW pulled out of a parking lot and into his path. They collided, and both vehicles burst into flames while Wright was stuck under the car. Wright says he remembered swerving to avoid the car and laid the bike down and lost consciousness as he lay underneath the burning car. Fifty yards away, a construction crew was working on a campus project, and all of them suddenly ran over to the accident to help. Not only that, on the video it shows out of nowhere students and professionals and passers-by gathering around the burning car to pull right, the unconscious right, from the accident. In an extraordinary moment, one rescuer tried to lift the car up to get right out, but he couldn't do it. Five others joined him, and still they couldn't budge the 10-ton vehicle. A woman checked if Wright was uh, still alive and determined he was still alive, and as a result, a dozen people gathered around the car and managed to lift it up so that a, so that a construction worker could actually pull right out from under the car while it was burning. Later, someone, uh, after Wright had come to consciousness, been in the hospital, cared for, they showed him the video of the rescue. And he said that uh, while seeing the unlikely rescue, it was just crazy for him to watch and surreal for him to watch it. And he said, I quote, I look dead. I look dead. And it was surreal to see myself like that. Now, the rescue, of course, wasn't lost on Wright. He said the experience of surviving to see what had happened to prevent his death had a profound impact on him. It changed the outlook of his life. And he said, I quote, I just like to live every day like it's my last. Because I realize that it very well might be my last. Life snatched from death, a rescue that had a profound impact on a man's life, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about as we're looking in the book of Romans today. Paul has been talking for some chapters now about the wonders of what Christ had done for us to rescue us from sin and death, and that uh, he is making a case that following Christ actually really has an impact on the way you live day in and day out. And here's how Paul has made his argument thus far. He said, first, in the first chapters of Romans, we have a really big problem. The big problem is our sin inherited from Adam that we carry on in our lives resisting God as Lord of our lives. He also has told us about God's big solution. 
And the big solution comes in Christ, who actually comes when his life, death, and resurrection and frees us from the wreck of our lives, the burning wreck of our lives, and pulls us out, giving us a new lease on life. Now Paul, in the last few chapters, has talked at length in chapter 4 and 5 about the big response we're supposed to have to the fact that God has solved our big problem of sin through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And that big response is faith. That we own that Christ is our only God, our only Lord and Savior, and we follow Him actively as He leads us as our King. Paul is now in this big turn here in this chapter 6. He comes to this big turn where he now hits the big impact that Christianity is meant to actually have on our lives every day. And why was Paul even going here at all in the book of Romans? Well, because the Romans, like many of us in our time, have this thought in our mind like, okay, I'm a Christian, so what? And... What's the rest of the story? What difference does it make in my life in following Jesus? Last week, Paul addressed a huge concept that we're going to revisit today a little bit to talk about how we should understand ourselves and what confidence we can have that indeed our lives have been changed and can be changed in very fundamental ways in the way we live. And he tells us this last week in the first four verses. He says, first and fundamentally, we have died to sin. We are dead to sin is what he says. And we are dead to sin so that we might walk in newness of life, is what he goes on to say in verse 4 of our text. Now, somebody say, okay, we're dead to sin, newness of life, so what? We're still stuck on kind of these abstracts, what's that got to do with living? Well, in verses 5 through 11, he unpacks and explains the eternal impact that Jesus Christ has on our lives once we follow him as the one true Lord of Savior of all. Once we have faith in Christ, that makes a difference now. Now in our lives is his whole point. And so, what difference does that make? What does that look like? How does he explain it? Well, look in verse 5 of our text. Paul says, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul is saying two huge statements here in this little, little verse. He's saying, As Christians who have received Christ as our true and only Lord and Savior... We have been united with Christ in His death. And likewise, we have been united with Christ in His resurrection. What's he saying? It's still a little abstract. Well, here's what he's getting at. First, he's saying we are united with Christ. He means that we are in a spiritual union. That is a relational bond, a tightness that connects us to Christ when we trust in Him. Just like one spouse trusts another spouse and even feels what a spouse is going through, just like a, a good friend, a close friend, experiences ups and downs and another close friend tastes those ups and downs with them, just like a teammate says, we're going this way with our team to accomplish this task, so in the same way, another teammate goes in that way, so... We are in this intimate relationship with Christ so that His life becomes our life. 
His life becomes our life. We walk the same path he walks. You know, this whole chapter is full of all these with verbs and with words, together with Christ, with Christ, with Christ. All these verbs all allude to our connectedness to Christ in this intimate way. Now, somebody may say, well, now, it says we died with him and will be resurrected with him. Does that mean he will, we will literally die on a cross like him and be resurrected? I mean, we do believe in the literal sense of the text, and we'd say, no, no, no. It goes on to say uh, in the text itself that we experience death and resurrection like his, meaning it is a pattern, a pattern we follow in how we live. And here's the pattern. Christ's life was that of death and resurrection, a rhythm, if you will, of death and resurrection. So... Our life is the very same. Our life following Jesus will be that of death and resurrection. Beginning when we first receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and then as a life, really as it goes on. Furthermore, this Greek word for united with, it's an agricultural word. It's what plants do. They grow with. And like we see the flowers growing together in clumps in our flower beds at home, or we see the trees uh, having uh, leaves growing forth on a limb together, or if you come to my house and see my outstanding yard and the green grass growing together, yeah, that's my yard righteousness coming out. So we grow in Christ's likeness with Him. There is a progressive sense to this growth. You grow, you start out with a little bud and it grows to fruition and finally it bears fruit. That's the imagery of this Greek word here. So the question is, what does that mean for us? Well, it means if we want to bear fruit for God as He intends, we must be united with Christ in relationship by faith. But get this, we must also Follow Him in the rhythm of death and resurrection. That's the rhythm we're called to. As many good brothers and spiritual Christians in the past have described it, we must follow the road of, another way to say it is, humiliation and exaltation. This is our pattern of life as Christians following Jesus we are humiliated, humbled before the Lord because of our sin. Sometimes we're humbled before the Lord, not so much because of our sin, but suffering. Suffering that comes our way in ways that we didn't expect and it wasn't our, we, we didn't cause it. Sometimes that humility comes from just plain old pain in life. Either way, we find ourselves humbled before the Lord. And the result is that God may lift us up in His time, in His salvation, in His unique ways, in our sanctification, in newness of life. In other words, we are humbled in old ways of living and handling life, even in pain, and we are raised up in newness of life, in a new way of living for Him and to Him. Now, this, of course, you need to understand, is very contrary to the way our world wants to live its life. Our world really says this, hey, if you want to live life well, then pursue success through technique. Here's a book, 
do what I say, and you'll experience success in life. Oh my gosh, you just go to a bookstore, and that's all over the place. In every conceivable place you can imagine. And the whole idea behind this technique-driven thing is, if you carry out this technique, you will get a better life. But here's the thing. Martin Luther called this the theology of the crown. And it goes like this. If I just do what God says, if I just do what so-and-so says, I will get success. I'll feel better about myself. I will be in heaven on earth. But the problem with that is this is not the gospel. And it's not the gospel because it's not Jesus' way. Jesus' way is the theology of the cross. The theology of the cross is very different. And it says this. If you want to taste real blessing in life, if you want to experience life itself as God intended even life in Christ, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Die! Isn't that exciting? Now the ironic thing is we usually go, what? Die? Why would I want to die? What, what would I do there? Well, you see, what Jesus and God is saying is, in dying, you actually experience life in Christ. Denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus is all about giving up what's nearest and dearest to you and me and gaining something far richer and bigger and, yes, eternal than anything we could ever dream of. In other words, it's not about our effort to gain things by performing. It is about humbling ourselves before God. This is Christianity in its deepest form. As Calvin says, with Christ, there is no crown without a cross. You want a crown? You want success? Give up something for Christ. Give up, sometimes we call you your deepest, darkest desire. Paul explains how this life of the cross affects us when we're united with him in his death and resurrection in verses 6 through 7. Look at verse 6 and 7 here. He says, we, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Paul tells us over and over again what we can be confident in. In fact, in verse 6, and then it jumping down to verse 9, he says, we know. And he's saying this to say, look, when you're struggling with confidence about how you can actually live with Christ today, bank on these truths. Bank on them. Over and over again in our text, Paul says the same thing again and again. He says, we died past tense to sin. We were baptized, past tense, into His death. We were buried with Him. We have been united with Him in death. Or in verse 6 of our text, we, he, he even brings out cross-bearing and says, our old self, our old man was crucified with Him. Hmm, do you think Paul's trying to tell something? That we follow Jesus in the rhythms of death and burial on a cross. Paul is really saying this. When we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we died to sin with Christ. Whereas we once were sinners who were in sin and under sin and couldn't help but sin, now something different has happened so that we have a choice. 
so that we can follow another master beyond sin. The old self is crucified once and for all. I'm going to ask David uh, Uran to come forward now. And David does know that he's supposed to come up here, so don't worry about that. Now, someone may say, what about the old man who wrestles with sin? And how do I handle the, the, the old nature within and how the, the real, sin really shows up inside of myself? How do I handle that? Well, David, why don't you lay down on the ground here? And David, I want... No, you can, look, you can go face up, bro. You can do that. You don't have to knock yourself out that way. And what I want you to assume is that David is dead. David is spiritually physically dead, but especially spiritually, all right? I want you to assume he's dead. Now, the way the Bible describes a spiritually dead person is the old man, the old self. That's how the Bible describes him. Now, the whole, the whole point of kind of Christianity is how we get to life, right? We're dead in sin and under sin. And a lot of us really struggle to get life even in our Christian walk. So here are some things we can do to help give David life. You ready? Okay. I can, I'm a preacher. I can preach to him. How's that? That'll work. Yeah. David, repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Nothing's happening. And why is nothing happening? Because he's dead. How about this? This is inspirational. You go into worship service. Let's all sing, Just as I am. Just as I am without one plea, the Lamb of God. You know how it goes. The buses are waiting. Wait a minute. He's not doing anything. You know why he's not doing anything? He's dead. He's spiritually dead. He can't respond to what I'm doing. How about apologetics? How about I argue him with my extraordinary reason as a recovering engineer and a pastor in the PCA? David, you see outside a great design in the universe. It is a fine-tuned universe. And because it's a fine-tuned universe, uh, we can assume with, with great assurance, great confidence even, that behind the design of the universe is a designer, and that designer is the one true God who brings order to the chaos, and it's his Christ, who is a key part of creation, who is the smartest human being who ever lived. That is the one you need to follow with your life. Trust on Christ yourself. He's not doing anything. And you know why? He's dead. He's spiritually dead. And it doesn't matter what I say or do, what you say and do, he's dead. This is the old man in his state. But here's the thing. The wonder of Christianity is that God in his grace wants to elect that some know him. And he fills them with the Holy Spirit and he resurrects them. He makes them alive in Christ is what Ephesians 2 says. And the Holy Spirit fills David and makes him alive. And then when I say, David, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, David gets up. He is alive. He can respond to what I say because the Holy Spirit has been working within him to make him alive. Great job, man. And you know what's cool? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Here's the thing. He's a new man now. 
When the Holy Spirit fills you and He's able to actually express faith in Christ, He's a new man. The old has gone. He has died to the power of sin in His life, which was killing Him, killed Him, and held Him under the promise of death. Now through the, resur- the power of God and the Holy Spirit, He is raised up and made a new man. Why am I telling you this? Why is this important? Because a lot of us here live like we're dead and still dead under sin. When in point of fact, you have been actually through the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is what Paul is saying, made alive as a resurrected person through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying when someone becomes a Christian, they are no longer a dead, unregenerate old man. They are a new, regenerate, filled with the Holy Spirit, new person. What does that mean? It means that the body of sin, as Paul says in verse 6, is being brought and subdued by God's grace working in your life every day so that you can say more and more, no to the world, no to sin, and most definitely no to Satan, and yes to God. That's what has happened with you. You are a new man if you've trusted in Christ for your salvation. You are, as Paul goes on to say, free to choose God as a regular part of your life. Your old man's dead because you're connected to Christ. You're dead to the power of sin and death once and for all because you're connected to Christ in faith. And whereas sin was once a chummy friend, now it's your enemy who you fight against and you wrestle against. Now, I know what some are saying here as people who've even walked with Jesus for a long time. And you know why I say this? Because this is what I think. <laughs> yeah, Dean, that sounds like a little bit of pie in the sky. After all, I still struggle with sin. I have anger moments that flare up. I have the wandering uh, eye of lust that gets to me. I find myself worried and anxious about life. So my sin sometimes feels so powerful it overcomes me. I find it hard to believe I'm dead to it. And here's my response is yes and no. Oh, don't you love that great theological answer? No, you are dead once and for all to sin. But yes, you still struggle with the presence of sin while you're in this body that is laden with sinfulness. And you sometimes battle with the power of sin as it tempts you and Satan hits you in spots that are most tender to your heart. But here's the thing. The struggle In the struggle with sin as a new man in Christ, you and I need to remember the gospel. We are dead once and for all to sin because we've been made alive. But look at verse 8 of our text, how it kind of explicates this even more. Verse 8, Paul says, now if we have died with Christ, ah, now we're making a turn. We believe we also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 
Now, there is a difficult phrase that I just read to you in this. It says that, that Jesus, um, in uh, verse 10, he died to sin. And you think, wait a minute, wasn't Jesus sinless? And the answer is yes, he was. He was a spotless lamb of God, never sinned. Bible says all over the place in the New Testament that he never sinned. What it's talking about is Jesus on the cross, and have you thought about this, became the most sinful man in history, taking on our sin on him. You realize Jesus became the worst murderer in history on the cross? Do you realize Jesus became the worst cheat in history? Worse than Bernie Madoff? That's what Scripture says very plainly about Jesus. And yet, the Gospel is that in our cross-bearing, we can realize that we also not only bear the cross, but have resurrection. We have new life. And it's possible because Christ was raised from the dead for us. He overcame death, the final, last enemy, which we can't handle ourselves. We can't overcome it ourselves, but He did. He, came, he overcame it. For us. You see, Jesus is a living God. A living Lord. He's not a dead God like a Confucius. Like Muhammad. Now, Jesus is a living, resurrected Lord who conquered sin and death once and for all. And He will never die again. It's a done deal. And as a result, Christ's res resurrection life is irreversible. And Christ's resurrection life yields eternal life, lasting life, the thing that keeps going on and on forever. By virtue of our connection to Jesus Christ, by faith, His life and power flows to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. When God saves us, He regenerates us. He changes. We're born again, once and for all. And then He gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. He gives us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. He gives us the mind of Christ. We see, we smell, we taste life differently as a Christian, a new man, a new creature. And even better, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us as a temple. The Holy Spirit is in you. And I know that many of you think, well, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm so numb from my life of working hard and do what I'm doing. I don't even know if the Holy Spirit's in me. And here's what i got to tell you. It ain't about what you feel. It's about what's true. Whatever you feel. If you call Christ your own, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, you and I can live a life that's lived to God and for God and in Christ, connected with Him in a meaningful, powerful relationship. Now, there are a couple of applications that simply come out of this. And the first is this. Many of us here live like first-day Christians. What's a first-day Christian? Well, the first day is when Jesus was crucified. Remember, He was crucified the first day. It was quiet the second day. The third day, He was resurrected. Many of us leave, live in the, the shadow of the cross. But you see, the rhythm of the Christian life is never that you stay at the cross. You actually move into the resurrection. We are third-day Christians, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Think about that. You have the same Holy Spirit in you, if you call Christ Lord, that gives you the power to say no and yes that Jesus had. 
This is big stuff for us. And we easily forget it. Some of us here have pet sins. Pet sins we don't want to die to. But here's the wonder of dying to our sin is when you get in the rhythm of actually giving up with hope and faith in Christ, that if I give up this thing that just feels like life, and I even go through the feeling in the morning of death giving up that thing, you will find that Christ matches far beyond your wildest dreams in the power of the Spirit, the gift of Himself to attend to what you long for. Dying to sin and giving up sin opens our eyes to the forest of heaven that awaits in Christ and even gives us a taste of that heaven now in spirit and what we have in life. Our issue is we're so temporal-minded. We're so focused on the here and the now, we just see the trees. When Christ calls us to look to something bigger in the forest of what awaits in eternity for us in the presence of God... Dying gets you in the rhythm of falling in love with your future home and not this home. Third application. Third application is born out of six truths that come out of this text. These are six truths that I got from one of my mentors in, in, in the books, if you will, and that's Francis Schaeffer. Six truths. And listen to these six truths and then we'll go to kind of the big point of all that. What... How can we sum up the points of this complicated text? First is this. Christ died in, the past, in past history. He died in history, for real. A real death on a cross, under Roman oversight. Second, Christ rose in past history. There was no body to be found, and there were 500 witnesses. Third, Christ, we died... That is, we died with Christ in the past, once and for all, when we received Christ for our salvation. Once and for all, when we were born again. Fourth, we will be resurrected one day when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, He's going to bring a whole new world, a whole new kingdom, final judgment, everything changes, including our bodies. We're going to get new bodies when Jesus comes back. But that brings us to today. Fifth, today we live by faith in Christ as if we are dead to the power of sin. As if we can say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow the way of Christ and what He wants. And finally, sixth, we live by faith as if we've been raised from the dead. In the power of the Spirit. Oh, let me conclude these truths. What difference should Christianity make to you in your daily life? Well, look at verse 11 of our text. It says, here's the first major imperative in the book of Romans. It says this, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. How do I sum this up? You are to live your life every day. When you wake up, you think, I'm dead. I already died. I died in Christ when I received, received Him by faith. I went to heaven, if you will, 
in the presence of God and I have come back a resurrected person. Now think about that. What if you lived like you had died, gone to heaven, and been resurrected? You'd live a very different way, wouldn't you? If you had died to your sin, gone to be in the presence of God, sometimes like in a quiet time, reading the Word, listening to God speak, and praying to Him, interacting with Him, connecting with Him personally, and then, boom, living in the power of the Spirit in a very different way, it will change the way you live in everything. Our grid is we either get stuck on death or we avoid death like the plague. But Jesus invites us to come. Live like you've already died, you've already been to heaven, and you've already been resurrected. Wake up is what he said. Wake up to who you are in Christ in this way. You know, I tell you, there's something kind of interesting about this for me. Uh, when, when I think of this, of this pattern of life we're supposed to follow Jesus in, of kind of life, death, resurrection with Him, it shows up in my pastoral leadership. You know what I've found through the years? Is the times when I, in a position of power in the church, actually die to what I really want, knowing, oh, I'm right on this one. When I die to that and yield to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you as the sovereign. I'm going to follow you. We're going to do what you want to do. He always resurrects. He always brings new life. He comforts me and I'm able to say, hey, let's do it this way rather than my way. Too many times giving up power, giving up something it's just so scary for us that we don't want to die. But you're supposed to live like, I'm dead to that. I'm not going to cling to power anymore because I've known through the years that power doesn't give me life. It's a waste of time. Jesus is the one who gives me life every single time. So I live like I'm dead to that. And I get to live like I'm resurrected to Him. Living and following in His way. Folks, living the Christian life every day like this is like coming home to Jesus. It's like going to Christ. And I do it very imperfectly. I hang on to things too much sometimes. But when you live this life like I'm dead, I'm, dead, I'm going to heaven, I've been to heaven, I've tasted God and His grace in my times with Him, with God's people in so many circumstances, and... I'm resurrected with the power of the Holy Spirit to live differently. It changes the way I live. It'll change the way you live as well. This is a very different life. And we have this power available to us every day. The problem is we live like first day Christians. Like we're dead. And we're or avoiding death, if anything. Paul is calling us to live in this final way. So we can taste life. Now, some of you are going to say, all right, Dean, all right, okay, I'm, I'm dead. I've been to heaven, tasted Christ. Now I live like I'm resurrected the power of spirit. What does that look like in daily living? Great, I'm glad you asked. I've got one last application for you. And here it is. What does it look like to live like a third-day Christian? Well, you've got death and resurrection. You've got humiliation and exaltation. Or to put it in practical ways, there's faith and repentance. What does a life of repentance look like? What does repentance look like? Well, remember a few key things about repentance that we've talked about in times past. And it's this. 
when you are uh, dealing with faith and repentance, uh, it takes time. It often takes time, especially if you've got sin in your life that is deeply rooted, is bound in idolatry or false belief systems. It takes time. I would also say that usually it has to happen in community. Oh, we love the ideas that somehow I can grow in sanctification by myself, just me and Jesus. But you know what? That doesn't happen. Because you can fool yourself even with Jesus. You need people in your life to invest in you and to speak in your life who will love you there. And don't forget what we learned last week about faith and repentance of following Jesus is it feels really weird, strange, odd. It's, it feels unnatural because it's not the way we're used to normally in ourselves. It's uncomfortable. So what does the death process look like in faith and repentance given these truths? Well, let's go to the next slide. Here's what it means to be dead to sin and humiliation of repentance. First, you see sin. You see yourself through the eyes of God in His Word. And that's key, through the eyes of God. Because you know what we want to do when we see the truth is we want to spin. We want to make, a, we want to make something not real. Next up, you go to sorrow to sin. Sorrow to sin is uh, being sorry for getting caught or for consequences. Next is confessing sin. We are specifically saying, Lord, I did this. Confession is not, well, you know, I, I do some bad things, but you know what? I come from a bad background and blah, 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 blah. That's not confession. It's, I did it. Next, hatred of sin, where we think, yuck, this is disgusting. I don't like this. And then the final thing is we turn from sin to God in Christ where he, we want Him to change us, turning us from one road to another. Real quickly, what happens when we make that turn? Go to the next slide. We experience the love of the Father as we're seeking Christ. We taste love. You see, when you make yourself vulnerable, you actually taste love. You enjoy forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ. You enjoy renewal and also resurrection in the Spirit. And as a result of this experience with God, which I could just spend forever on, but I can't, i got to go, you actually want to serve God differently in the power of the Spirit. You see that? You experience love in Christ by His salvation yet again and again. And then you want to love again in new ways by obeying God's law and doing what He wants in the obedience of faith. And the fruit of all that is godliness. The glory of God is, is revealed in the godliness. Oh man, we could spend all day. We've got to stop. We've got to do communion. But here's the thing. Remember I told you about Brandon Wright earlier. He fell under that car because he was on a motorcycle and he passed out. But through God, God's grace working through some people, they rescued him from that and it changed his life. That's what you and I are called to live every day. An experience of God's grace as a rhythm of faith and repentance so that it changes us forever. Why do we do communion? So we can taste that grace yet again. So come, let's eat of Christ together and let's pray. Father, we do pray that You would be now with us. We want to be a body that lives in a life of faith and repentance. There's a lot here in this text, but we ask You, Lord, to help us to understand, help us to uh, taste Your grace even as we come to the table.
Awaken our hearts, Lord, to how we might live in a very different way because we've enjoyed you and you reminding us once again of our need for grace. We pray this, Lord, because you are our resurrection and life. You died and were resurrected. Now lead us in that same road as we learn to follow you in Christ's name. Amen.